You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Mark in chapter number six, perhaps one of the most familiar, one of the most famous Bible stories of all time. If you have been in church for any period of time, especially if you grew up in Sunday school, you have undoubtedly heard this story dozens and dozens of times. In Mark chapter six, it is one of the four places that we find the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It is the only miracle that Jesus performed that is found in all four gospels. It's amazing how well we know a story, or how well we think we know a story. Maybe we've read the passage dozens of times. Maybe we've heard many messages preached about it. And yet, you, as I was reading it, God showed me things that I had not seen before. And my hope this evening is that I will be able to be brief, and that I will be able to be concise, and I will be able to give you something that will be a help. Brother Bertram was encouraging me before time. And he said, uh, Brother Fenera, let me, let me share with you two things that I've learned while preaching all these years. He said, always preach about Jesus. Always preach about Jesus. Amen. And then he said, always preach about 20 minutes. And so I'm going to try to do those two things today. I want to take after Brother Bertram. And I've alliterated all my points, Brother Bertram, so I hope I make you proud. Mark chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. Let's begin reading in verse number Um, 30 this evening, the Bible says this, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert by ship privately. And the people saw them parting, and many knew him, and ran a foot thither out of all the cities, and out went them. And came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread, and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And let's bow our heads together in prayer. God, we do love you, and I'm so thankful that we have this place to come. Lord, to be an escape from all that is going on outside. Lord, I pray now that our attention would be focused on your word. God, I pray that you would please use me as I seek to be a blessing and a help to these people. God, I pray that I could be an encouragement to someone tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very familiar story, one that I believe we all know. The disciples had been out preaching and teaching and doing miracles, and they came back to be with Jesus. And as they began to tell Jesus of all the things that had happened, the miracles that had been done, the places that they had been, Jesus says to them, let's go and go to part into a desert place. Let's take a break. Let's get some rest. Let's go away from the busyness of what's going on. And let's go and take a little getaway. 
The people then see Jesus and His disciples going down to the Sea of Galilee where they board a ship. As they see Him departing, they begin to follow on the coastline. I imagine they may have been saying over there in that boat, you see that boat? That's, there's Jesus. Jesus and His disciples, they're going out. Let's follow them. Let's see where they go. Maybe we can go and maybe we can see Jesus. Maybe He'll do some miracles. Let's see if we can follow Him. And as they began to go, the crowd gathered. And as they began to tell people like anything, when you see a crowd gathering, what's going on? What's taking place? And Jesus, Jesus is on that boat over there. We're going to follow Him. We're going to see where He's going. And the people began to gather. So at the point that Jesus and the disciples get off the ship, the Bible says there is a multitude gathered. We know there are 5,000 men plus women and children. Some estimate as many as 10 to 15,000 people have now gathered to hear Jesus. The Bible says that as Jesus got off that ship, that immediately He had compassion on them. Because they were as sheep having no shepherd. The Bible says He began to do miracles. He began to heal their sick. He began to teach them. As the day went on, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we have a problem. All of these people out here have nothing to eat. Jesus, we're in a desert place. The surrounding isn't good. The, the location isn't good. And the day is now far past. We're running out of time. Jesus, send them away. Let, let them go. Send them back home so they can take care of themselves. And Jesus looks at His disciples and He says, give them something to eat. Feed them. Figure it out. Feed them. And they go and they bring back five loaves and two fishes. Jesus takes it. And He blesses it. He breaks it. He divides it. They distribute it to everyone. In the Bible, we know the story. Every single man, woman, and child eats are filled, and they take up the remnants, 12 baskets full. An amazing story. An amazing miracle recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This evening, I'd like to point out a few different aspects of this story and then apply them. If you would look at Mark chapter 6, verse 35 and 36, I want to notice this evening, I want us to see the outlook of the disciples. The outlook of the disciples. The Bible says in verse 35, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the village and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. The perspective, the outcome of the disciples was a negative outcome or outlook. They said, Jesus, don't you know where we're at? We're in a desert place. Look around you. This isn't a good place to be to have all of these people. It's not a desirable place. It's not a place where we have provision or we have resources. It is a desert place. They said, Jesus, we're in a bad spot. Not to mention, we're running out of time. It's going to be dark soon. The day is ending. Jesus, we have to send them away. The outlook of the disciples was dark. The outlook of the disciples was negative that we are in a bad place and we're running out of time. But I'd like us to notice the obligation of the Savior. Look in verse number 34. And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep not having a shepherd. He then responds in verse number 37. He says, Give ye them to eat. 
See, the obligation of Jesus Christ was, you don't understand. I, I, un, I know we're in a bad place. I, I know that we're running out of time, but you don't understand. Because I, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. I, I can't turn the multitude away. I, I can't send them off with, with this need. I am here to meet the need of this lost multitude. I am the great shepherd. There is a need I have to meet. I can't send them away. He had an obligation. The disciples looked at the physical and said, we're in a bad spot. Let's get rid of them. Let's, let's not deal with the need of the people. Let's send them away. But Jesus said, no, we're not going to send them away. Feed them. Feed them. This obligation created an opportunity. Because he said, go and find some food. Look in verse number 38 this evening. He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. If you go back a verse in verse 37, He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. See, the, out the outlook of the disciples was negative. It was dark. The obligation of the Savior is there is a need that I have to meet. I can't send them away. There's something I have to do about meeting their need. This created an opportunity. The disciples then began to dis, uh, disperse. And I imagine they went around and began to ask people, do you have any food? Is there anyone who has any provisions? The master is wanting to know, do, do you have any food? Is there any bread? We have an opportunity here. Jesus wants to do something. He wants to meet a need. And we're wondering, is there anyone here who has some food that they can give to Jesus? That opportunity came to a little lad. John chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, And there was a lad. I imagine that little boy sat there. And as the disciples came by, they said, Does anyone have any food? Do you have any food over here? Is, is there any food over there? And there sat that little boy. And that little boy, no one knew it, but that little boy knew that I have a bag. And inside my bag is, is a lunch. I, I have five loaves. I have two fishes. My, my mom packed it for me, perhaps. And there it is. And there's an opportunity here. Jesus wants, is asking, does anyone have any food? And I have something in my bag to give. It, it's not much. It's definitely not enough to feed everyone, but it's all I have. And, and Jesus is asking for it, but I see now there is an option. That option is a choice. Am I going to give Jesus my lunch, or am I going to keep it for myself? I, I know it can't feed everyone, so maybe I should just keep it for myself. Maybe I should just nibble on it here and there. Maybe I'll eat it myself, or... Maybe I should give it to, to Christ. I imagine as the disciples came by, he, that lad maybe raised his hand and said, Mr. Disciple, Mr. M Mr. Disciple, come here. Uh, what is it you're asking for? And maybe perhaps Peter came and said, Well, little boy, the master has this multitude, 10 to 15,000 people who are hungry. He wants to meet their need, and he has sent us on a mission to find someone who has something that he can use. And that boy said, well, I don't have much, sir. It's really not a lot. It's just five loaves and it's just two fishes. But I'll tell you what, Peter, 
Go ahead and give it to Jesus and let Jesus do something with it. I see the outlook of the disciples was negative, but there was an obligation of the Savior. He said, I can't send them away. There is a need I have to meet, which created an opportunity for the people. But it came down to an option. That is a choice of that young lad to give what he had to Jesus. Amen. We, of course, know the outcome. Look in verse number 39 this evening. And he, being Jesus, commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. All. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments Amen. and of the fishes. See, the outcome of this story is that Jesus did the impossible. Jesus took these five loaves and these two fishes and he blessed them and he broke them and he sent them throughout the multitude and every single person ate and was filled. And they took up the fragments and there were 12 baskets left. We know this story. It's an amazing story. But let's bring it home now for a moment. Let's apply it to our lives. I think it's very obvious that we live in a dark day. As we look around us, we, look, we see what's going on in this world. It is not hard to see that we are living in a crazy day. Yep. When you read the news, when you see what's going on in the world around us, but not just the world around us, when we see what's going on here in America, in our very state of California, yep. it's easy to have a negative outlook. It's easy to say, well, here we are. We are in a desert place. And you know what? Time is running out. That is a true statement. Last week we had that evangelist, uh, amazing preacher, and he preached about the soon coming of Jesus Christ. The reality is He is coming soon. Amen. The day is drawing nigh. We are running out of time. But let's not forget that there is an obligation. The Bible says in the book of 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can I say this evening that there is still an obligation of the Savior. He still wants to save people. He, did, he has not quit. He is still on the throne. He has not given up and said, all right, well, I guess there's nothing that he can do. No, his desire is to still meet the need of the multitude. I'm reminded that not only does the Savior have, have an obligation, that you and I have an obligation as well. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can I remind us, church family, that we have an obligation to reach the lost. It, I, I know we're in a bad place. I know we're in a desert place. I know we're running out of time. But that does not change the obligation that God wants to still save old sinners and it's up to us to give the Gospel. With that obligation, there comes an opportunity. We have an opportunity this evening. Last Sunday night was such an amazing service for the work of the ministry. We got these nifty little books. You still have yours in your Bible. You know what this is? This is a book of opportunities. Amen. 
There are opportunities in here. We're looking for hot lunch volunteers, bookstore workers, brass instrumentalists, security parking lot setup. You know what this is? An opportunity. Pastor says, look, church family, we are running out of time. We still have a mission to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is opportunity for you to serve at the North Valley Baptist Church. But I see it comes down to an option. In your life and in mine, it comes down to a choice. Will we be used of God? Will we do something for the cause of Christ? feel that so often in my life I miss opportunities. The Holy Spirit prods and perhaps I don't yield myself. Perhaps I miss the opportunity to do something for the cause of Christ. I remember one Sunday afternoon we had finished church and we were going with our family to get a bite to eat at the Sizzler. How many Sizzler fans do we have? Good old Sizzler. Steak and a uh, side salad. Good stuff right there. And we had gone to Sizzler we had got out of the car and we were waiting for Pastor and Mrs. Treber to join us. And we began to walk in and a young man approached me and I could see very quickly that he appeared to be maybe a, a, a vagabond or someone who was traveling from place. He didn't have any belongings with him. His clothes were dirty and uh, scruffy. And he asked me, do you have any money? Do you have any cash? And honestly, I did not. I did not have a single dollar in my pocket. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash. He turned and walked away. And the moment he did, the Holy Spirit smote my heart, saying, go talk to him. Give him the gospel. Tell him the good news. And I have to admit this evening, I didn't heed the Holy Spirit. Instead, I heeded my stomach, and we went to Sizzler. We went into Sizzler, we had a good time, we had a good meal, and as we came walking back out, we walked to the car and the family was waiting there, and I began to check my pockets. Honey, do you have, do you have the keys? Any of the kids, do you have the keys? Looking through the windows, oh, there they are. Doors locked. I locked my keys in the car. I'm like, well, this is great, this is the only set of keys I have, and now I'm stranded here. And so I called AAA. Where's Brother Kissel? Oh, he's not here. I called AAA, and they were going to be about 20 minutes before they came out. So Pastor loaded up my wife and the kids, and they went home. And I sat there by the car, and I waited. They pulled off, and about two minutes later, around the corner, came that same young man. And again, the Holy Spirit just smote my heart and said, Go give him the gospel. Go talk to him. Go, go, go ask him some questions. And I, I approached that young man and I said, you know, before you were asking me for, for some money, would you like a meal? And he said, I would. I, I haven't eaten, I think it was four or five days. I said, let's, let's go in. We were at Jack in the Box. I said, let's go into Jack in the Box and I'll, I'll buy you a meal. And I had the opportunity to buy him a meal and we sat down and I asked him questions about what are you doing and, you know, where are you trying to get to? And told him a little bit about our church and I said, let me ask you the most important question. And there at that drive-thru at Jack in the Box, he bowed his head and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And while I'm so thankful for that outcome, I often think about that first opportunity where I didn't listen. That opportunity that I passed up. I'm thankful that God gave me a second opportunity, but the reality is this evening is that God is not going to force you or I to do His will. God will never force us into being, being used of God. 
He, he won't force us into a position where He will use us. That has to come on our own. And it comes to a choice. The Bible says in John 4, 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look onto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, we must make a choice. If we are going to serve God, if we're going to do something in the day and the place in which we find ourselves, it may not be perfect. It may not be ideal. It may be a desert place. We may be running out of time, but we still have an opportunity. Amen. What is your choice going to be? I like to say number one, God isn't as concerned as you and I are at what we have to offer Him. You know, sometimes we get so hung up on ourselves and what we think we can offer God. You know, sometimes we may look and say, well, I, I can't preach like a Brother Cooper. I'm not a fiery preacher. I, I, I'm not a, a deep biblical teacher maybe like Brother Bertram. I, I don't have the vision and the faith and the God-can spirit of our pastor. I can't sing like a brother Martinez or sister so-and-so. I, I can't teach a Sunday school like they do. I can't run a bus route like they do. I'm not as dynamic as they are. Can I remind you that God isn't concerned like you and I are as, as to what we have to offer God. He isn't concerned with it. John 15, 5, we're reminded that for without me, ye can do nothing. You know what that tells me? It's not about us. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what I can do. It's not about any talents. It's not about any abilities. It's all about Him. God wants to use you this evening. God wants to use me with or without any talents and or abilities. I want to say number two, that God has already given you what He needs you to have. In this story, the disciples come to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we need to feed the people. We don't have food. Send them away. And Jesus says, feed them. They said, should we go buy 200 penny worth, worth of bread? Meaning, should we go get what we don't have? Should we go into town and, and get the resources we need? And Jesus said, no. What, what do we have? Go and see. See what we already have right now. Don't, don't be concerned with what we don't have. Don't be concerned with, with what you can get or what you might acquire in time. What do you have right now that God can use? And we know that Lat says, all I have is five loaves and two fishes. Jesus didn't say, oh, that's a little tough. That, can you get more? Get some more and come back and see me. No, that's not what he said. He said, good, bring me that. That'll work. I'm reminded of the story of Moses in the burning bush. One of my favorite Bible stories where God appears to Moses and says, Moses, I want to use you. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses says, God, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh? I I'm a nobody. God, I, I don't even know what your name is. What if they ask me? What if they say, who sent you? I don't even know what name to call you by. God, God I, 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 I'm a stutterer. I, I, can't be, I can't do anything for you, God. And God answers Moses and said, Moses, what's in your hand? What do you have there? And Moses, I imagine, looked at it and said, well, God, it's, it's a rod. It's a piece of wood. It's a stick. I found it on the ground, and now I walk with it. It's a rod. And God said, I can use that. Amen. He didn't tell Moses, a rod? I'll tell you what, Moses, 
Go back and get a sword. When you got a sword in your hand, come see me. I can do something with that. He said, what do you have now? A stick? Great. I will use that rod. I, I will empower you. I will use that rod to do amazing things. Why? Because it's not about the rod. It's not about the five loaves and two fishes. It's all about Jesus Christ. Whatever you have today, God can use. God wants to use you. God wants to use me this evening, but it's not a matter if God can do something with us. It's a matter of will we give what we have to God? You say, well, I don't have a lot. I have two legs and two arms and I can't sing. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? This may shock you. As of today, I have yet to receive a single phone call from a single church anywhere in the world calling me, asking me to come sing. <laughs> I know, you're shocked. In fact, Brother Romero doesn't even let me into our own choir. It hurts. I'm not a singer. You will never see me up here singing. I know you saw me once in the staff group, but they were desperate. <laughs> Everyone else was out of town and I was the only person left. You notice I was never asked back. So I can't sing, so what? Well, you're not a deep academic teacher. I know. I'd be the first to admit that. You say, well, what is it that you have then to have God use you? You know, in high school, in elementary, I was a very shy kid. By nature, I'm still a very shy person. I am not someone who likes getting up in front of people. I can remember in elementary, my, my least favorite time of the day was from 8 to 8.15 because that was the time where the teachers were going to take attendance. And that was the time that I would have to speak up and say, <clears throat> here. <laughs> it's not funny. My face would get beet red. My ears and my neck would get on fire. And I would be scared to death of having to stand, to not even stand, just to sit there and say, here. It lasted all the way through college. I was a senior in college, still embarrassed when I had to say here or present in class. I can remember my seventh grade year at teen camp. It was the Mount Zion Baptist camp, and pastor was the guest preacher that year. The very first evening, I, I knew that God began to work on my heart. I knew that I, I, I was supposed to surrender. I knew I was supposed to go forward. I was supposed to kneel at the altar. I was supposed to make a decision. But I knew that God could never use me. I, I knew that I would be scared to death to stand in front of people and to speak or to preach. And so I put it off. I also knew what it meant. If I made a decision, there was something that had to happen. After the service, all of the teens went down to what they called reflection circle. And I knew what it meant. If I made a decision, I would have to go in front of everyone, take that microphone, give them my name, my church, and tell them I had made a decision, and there's no way I could do that. And so Monday night, I fought it. Tuesday morning, I fought it. Tuesday evening, God again began to work on my heart, and I said, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening, this, the same. Thursday came, and I knew it was the last day. That if I was going to make a decision, it was going to have to happen on Thursday, but again, I knew God couldn't use me. I knew that I didn't have what it takes. I, I, I couldn't stand in front of people. 
And so I didn't make the decision Thursday morning. Thursday night came and finally I gave in and said, all right, God, whatever you have for me, I'll go forward. And I remember bowing the knee and I, I surrendered to preach that night. We went to Reflection Circle and I honestly thought about skipping. I thought if I go hide in my bunk, no one will know I can probably get away with it. And I remember my youth pastor at that time came. He said, all right, everyone, let's go to Reflection Circle. And he walked with me as if he knew I was trying to get out of it. I went as far back in the line as I could, which wasn't a smart thing because it made that line feel like eternity. Finally, it came to me, and they put the microphone in my face, and I said, Chris Venera, North Valley Baptist Church, tonight I surrender to preach. And I remember putting my head down and walking back. I, I struggled with that decision all through high school because I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew God couldn't use me. I, I didn't have what it takes. I, I couldn't be a, a great preacher. I couldn't do this or that. And so I knew God couldn't use me. I went to Bible college my freshman year and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every aspect of Bible college at Golden State. I had a great time. I remember Miss Chrissy Hoosen, who taught the kindergarten class at that time, she would often have the preacher boys come and preach in her Sunday school class. And I'll never forget, she asked me, and I said yes, and I had my, my notes. A page long, a page full of notes for five-year-olds. <laughs> Noah and the ark. I was scared to death. I got up there. I went through those notes. What felt like 30 minutes was probably 30 seconds. I looked up at them and they stared at me and I thought they had no idea what I just said. I began to panic. I looked around the room and I saw some toys and I walked over, I grabbed a boat and a few animals and the lesson continued. I walked out of there that day thinking I am a failure. If I can't even preach and teach to, to five-year-olds, there's no way God's ever going to use me. What am I doing here? And as that freshman year came to an end, I began to contemplate, should I go back to Golden State? Maybe I should do something else with my life. Maybe God isn't calling me to preach. And I'll never forget, there was a message preached in College Chapel. I don't remember who preached it. But they preached on, say yes to every opportunity. If you're asked to do something, just say yes. And I made a decision, like probably a naive freshman. I said, all right, I'll say yes to anything and everything. That summer came, and as everyone went home for college, I was asked to teach a boys' Sunday school class second grade boys Sunday school class, and I remember that decision I made, and so I said, all right, I'll do it. I'll, I'll teach that second grade boys Sunday school class. I had no idea what I was in for. It was an awesome summer. We had a great time. But it's amazing, over the course of that summer, God began to do a work in my heart. And really, I began to see a small glimpse of maybe there is something I can do for God. Maybe it's not here. Maybe, it, maybe it's just teaching a Sunday school class. It's just second grade boys. I, I, I know it's not some major prominent position in the church, but it's second grade boys. Maybe I can do this. Maybe God could use me doing this. And over that summer, God did a work in my heart. And as I came back to school, I changed my major to secondary education. I began learning and, and studying, and I graduated. And I've been in the Christian school for the last 15 years. And as I look back on it, not to say that I am anyone special or that I've arrived but I look at the lives of students and think, I had a small part in their life. I look at some of the men on staff who once upon a time were students in our high school, and I think, wow, I, God allowed me to have a small part in their life. I got to make a little impact in their life. 
And I think if, if God can use someone like me to do something small with what little I have, God can use you. God wants to use you. This evening, I'm reminded that the outlook was dark. The obligation is pressing. The opportunities are available. The option this evening is yours. You can decide. You might think, I don't have a, I don't have a lot. It, what I have isn't enough. It's just a little bit. But can I say, when you take with the little you have, and you say, God, here it is. Do with it what you want. Use it, God. I've had a prayer that I've prayed every single day from the time I got hired on staff to this morning. It's not deep. It's not anything that's going to blow your mind. It's, God, please use me today. God, take, take my life and just use me. Let me make a difference in the life of someone today. Help me to be a blessing. Let me be an encouragement. This evening, the outlook is dark. The obligation is pressing. The opportunities are available. The option is yours. And let me say, the outcome is eternal. What we do here is not for today. It's not for tomorrow. It's for all eternity. God can use you. God wants to use you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.